0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Meta Portal podcast, where we talk all things Metaverse Index and the space more broadly. Uh, I'm Dark Forest Capital, and I'm joined by my good friend AG. We're both contributors at the Index Co-op. And what a month it's been for the Metaverse Index, AG.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it definitely feels like it's been way longer than than a month. Uh, there's a lot going on. I think on kind of the the product side itself on. Of our interactions with different communities and uh, different teams of the underlying tokens, we went through our first rebalance, which was uh, quite interesting to kind of see from the liquidity considerations and uh, kind of the trade sizes and and how many trades it took us to rebalance. And uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been amazing, um, quite challenging at the same time. So i really excited to talk about that. And also, you know, we sort of launched meta portal, um, which you like to describe as sort of our content hub for for the metaverse and uh, put out a few pieces of content there and uh, we're looking forward to sort of building that out and and providing that uh, content for anyone interested in the metaverse index or uh, kind of the the metaverse theme uh, more broadly.
0: That's right, yeah, and it was yeah, it was quite a fun uh, piece of work to go through there when we were spinning that up. I think you and I putting our thoughts down on paper and, and trying to come up with like an introductory post to explain a little bit more about what we'll be doing with MetaPortal, um, what exactly is the metaverse, and like how does what we, we're doing with MBI fit into that. We sort of talked about a lot of quite high-level but interesting ideas as well, like the future of work, the future of like measuring economic value. I know that you had some some good thoughts around that. And um, yeah, I, I think it's good to get our thoughts on paper and share them with other people as we know this is a very nascent space. I think everybody that certainly in our network is very familiar with DeFi at this stage, but um, the metaverse is a bit of a, a black box to some people. So kicking it off with that post and, and trying to introduce our thoughts on it and, and take them to the next level really was was quite good, good fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh perhaps it's it's uh it's a good time to sort of run through that post a little bit and you know, and, and talk about our thought process and, and what we ended up sort of writing about, right? And at at the very high level it all comes to the question of what is the metaverse? I think it's kind of a very generic in a way, uh term that encompasses a lot of the underlying thematics and and people just tend to use it whenever they think about like virtual worlds or virtual environments but that's that's quite misleading in in the way we see the space right because like virtual worlds and and digital experiences are not new uh, you can you can argue that us having a video chat on zoom is a digital experience but it has nothing to do with a metaverse. Or, for example, we could be playing Fortnite, right, and talking. Is that is that a metaverse? And we sort of would argue that it's not. And and in, in our opinion, what really brings metaverse to life um, is that intersection of blockchain and virtual reality. And I think blockchain technology is is here now, right? We still need to address some things with scalability that kind of applies to gaming, and virtual reality is maybe um, a little bit a few years away. But these two technologies are fundamental to the uh, emergence of like the real metaverse, right? Um, and then I think outside of that, right, is just how how do we think about metaverse and and what are some of the characteristics that define it outside of sort of blockchain and VR technology? And there are several definitions out there, and I, I would say that like all of them are really good, uh, but some of them are a bit complex. So we sort of like to use definition from Engine, which is basically says that the metaverse is a shared digital space that seamlessly integrates aspects of the real world, specifically things like ownership, identity, and financial value. And so to us, that that's really the key, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're starting to see like the very first steps on our way to the, to the metaverse. And obviously, we're, we're not there yet. Um, and what you've talked about are how some things are sort of mislabeled, or even when it's on the way to becoming something that would be part of a future metaverse, it's still like such a very small step in that direction. And I think one of the very important parts of that definition is like the financial value that we talk about. And, and once you can unlock that and start moving it around between these virtual worlds or between these digital experiences, that's what's really key. And that's where blockchain is is so critical to like enabling the metaverse. Um, I've kind of talked about it before in, in terms of describing Ethereum as almost like a substrate And each of the individual, um, either like digital worlds or games or whatever they may be as silos on top of that substrate. And then being able to drop your value out onto this like motorway underneath almost that is the Ethereum network. And and so you can move objects or um, like financial value tokens, whatever it may be between all of these different places. That interoperability is what's going to be really key to, I think, expanding this to the next level. Um, and and that like that links in really quite nicely with another um, theme that we discussed in the, our opening post, and that was like the future of work, and what we're starting to see with games like Axie Infinity, um, and future upcoming games like Illuvium that that we're seeing on the horizon, where people are able to play to earn, and actually in some countries able to fully make a living from this kind of stuff, and, and without the ability to not only create value within the game, but then take it elsewhere, bring it into the real world, you know, do whatever you might want to do. That's where it's really, you know, the blockchain is really important. Ethereum in this case is really important. Um and, and I think that's pivotal for for what we're seeing here.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And another important component there is NFTs, right? Uh, as as a technology, as a as a token standard that enables this First off, it it enables true digital ownership, right? Like authentic digital ownership. And then that ownership enables your ability to move value around. So in my mind, that's that's sort of that building block of the metaverse and something that is almost as important as blockchain itself. And uh, it's interesting. So... I've been working on sort of a post or an article looking at traditional gaming companies, right? Like, for example, Roblox and Epic Games um, with, with Fortnite and trying to draw comparisons and parallels to, for example, Sandbox and Axie. And Roblox, for example, they do a decent job of like distributing value to... Uh, to creators, right? Like to, um, to developers who build these experiences on, in, in their sort of virtual worlds. But what's interesting is that, one, uh, you get paid with like, their own token, right? Uh, it's called Roblox. And you can redeem it for uh, your fiat currency. But Roblox sets the exchange rate Right, so that's, that's that's one thing that I think is interesting, and second thing is Robux obviously is just a token. It does not give you any say in management of the company, right? It's uh, it basically it just pays you. It doesn't allow you to buy into the system, or buy into the game, and and those are like some differences that I think are very crucial when it comes to kind of future of work piece, right? Because if you can develop, uh, you can play the game, and not only do you earn something that is real value, but you actually earn a small share of ownership, which means that as the network grows, and often it grows because of user-generated contributions, user-generated content, um, and you are benefiting from that. Directly, and, and I think that's one of kind of the, the crucial appeals of metaverse powered by blockchain and NFTs to, to some extent versus kind of traditional, uh, a traditional world in a way.
0: Yeah, and I want to jump on that point really quickly, because what you're talking about there is the ownership economy, basically, and how token models can enable... Uh, communities to be empowered and and align their incentives with the overall goal of maybe a founding team or um, you know the organization of that community itself and something that I'm starting to see and think about and I think is really interesting here in, in all of the things that we've just talked about I see these as if you imagine a Venn diagram with a load of individual circles or bubbles that are expanding those are starting to overlap now and and the overlapping of that those bubbles is where we get the emergence of the metaverse, I think. So we've you know, we talked about this um, ownership economy and we've talked about the portability of value. And then you talked about NFTs as well. And another example that we gave was um, like in the fashion industry where we're starting to see digi-physical items. So you'll purchase a, a hoodie, for example, and it will come with an NFT that perhaps is a wearable within one of these virtual worlds. And so that bubble there is having like an avatar, a virtual avatar that persists across a multitude of like virtual worlds, experiences, um, instances, whatever. And that, I see that as another bubble. So as all of these things start to overlap, you can start to see how the metaverse emerges. So you can have a digital version of yourself that represents, you know, what, what you like in the physical world that is part of a ownership economy that perhaps um, has ownership over like either a, a project, a, a an organization itself or maybe even just like a, a vault of nfts like we see with something like whale and then you add on to that the fact that you can jump in and out of that as you please you can take value from it you can have nfts that are, are yielding or creating value for you all of this starts to come together and that's i think where the metaverse begins to emerge and, and where it comes from
1: yeah that's and, and then you sort of overlay vr on top of it as an immersive experience right and, and you get Like, can you get a little bit further with that vision where it becomes more and more uh, real, right? And I think that's where you can sort of dive into a more dystopian type of future. But at the same time, I think it's, um, one, exciting. It will open up a lot of economic opportunities, I think. And uh, it will also create, just like, it will also unlock so much value around the world, not just in sort of developed countries. And and that's that's what's so exciting about it, right? That kind of the the cost to participate in in the metaverse, like in the way we are describing it, is not it's not that significant. Um obviously like we can talk about gas costs and all of that stuff and like with Axie you need to buy Axies to to play and so on. But at at sort of the fundamental level you just need an internet connection. And I know that still sort of excludes a lot of uh, people, but like with PlayTurn, you can play on your phone, even in uh, emerging countries, whether it's I- I- in Asia, India, Africa, uh, mobile penetration is generally pretty decent. So I think that's one of, one of the equalizing technologies, so or one of the equalizing phenomenons of our time, uh, this, this emergence of the metaverse powered by uh, blockchain.
0: Yeah, agreed. That's a really good way to end that, I think. Um, so to bring it back in terms of like MetaPortal and, and what we're trying to do here with, with launching this content hub is we're going to be looking to expand on these ideas now and take them further and, and help others who maybe don't have as much insight into this space to understand the, the power of this technology, what it might unlock, where it might go, and of course link it to you know the, the financial um, side of things You know, what are we looking at? What do we like? How does it fit in with, you know, valuation models and how can it, how might these things like integrate within DeFi, you know, giving it even more of a superpower there. Um, So yeah, the the idea of MetaPortal, we're not just going to focus on the metaverse index, but we will talk about these, these high level trends, why they're interesting to us, where they might go and yeah, just try and expand on that idea more generally.
1: Yeah and uh you know part of it is sort of backed by the fact that when we were looking into sort of metaverse and, and learning about it um we we sort of struggled to find this type of content right and uh for us as as kind of defi uh, natives metaverse was a completely uh, new world and and still is to to uh, a large extent but what we hope to do with Metaportal is bring our readers and bring the community on this journey with us as we learn about the space and the underlying tokens right the projects that that are actively building the the metaverse and yeah we really hope that we'll be able to sort of add value to to the community with with the meta portal and uh yeah i think i think we've uh <laughs> we're on a good good track so far i think uh it's generally been really positive feedback on the intro post and we've also uh, put out the monthly update for the metaverse index in terms of performance. If uh, you wanna sort of walk us through that.
0: Yeah, so we've basically copied the format that we were using for the, the DPI uh, monthly update and we're gonna be looking at you know a quick summary of the overall performance of MVI and then diving into that and talking about what the top performers were and what their contribution was, um, and then any like performance detractors, and basically taking you through our thoughts on exactly why um, different tokens performed the way that they did. So through the month of April, obviously we launched on the 7th, um, and we, we saw, I think, pretty strong and steady growth throughout the whole month. We're talking about over 1100 addresses holding MVI and having 68,000 units which i think is what was it about 25% of DPI's unit supply obviously that that uh, metric can be if you look at it from a TVL perspective that doesn't give you the whole picture so unit supply basically would you say it normalizes for price so you, if you look at unit supply as price goes up you're going to be minting fewer units So whilst the price is still low and and we're seeing steady growth in unit supply, that's a really good thing and that's what we want to be looking for. I think you summarized it quite nicely, AG, when you you sort of pointed out that uh, really it was a separation in terms of performance between large caps and small caps within the index over the month. And we saw uh, the likes of Muse, Meme, NFTX and RARI all sort of have a, a pullback during the month, um, despite their run up from like January onwards. And then on the flip side of that, we saw Engine and Mana return both 18.5% and 55.2%. So really, really strong months for, for both of those large cap um, projects. So perhaps you want to talk us a little bit through what you saw in terms of um, performance. And I think you picked Axie to talk about, as they, they had quite a lot of news this month.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Like the divergence between small cap and large cap was was quite interesting to me. And you know, that actually made me want to have a look at at large cap and small cap DeFi funds from six months ago and see how they performed, right? Because if if we're saying that large caps tend to capture most of the performance right then we can sort of feed that into our methodology in in some way so that's like to me it it was really interesting to sort of see that um and we'll obviously continue to to monitor uh the performance of the product and and where where that performance is is coming from and yeah like talk about kind of the top performing uh, projects um, Axie was up about twenty two percent, but that just masks like the roller coaster ride that it that it went on uh, during the months. And um, yeah, like I said in in the newsletter, uh, there were both fundamental factors, but also like sentiment and, and hype sort of factors that affected the price. So there was a tweet from board Elon Musk account, which uh, was rumored to be Musk's alt account and i think it was maybe confirmed um i'm not an expert in twitter research i guess or investigative twitter so i'm not sure but the price on that tweet i think the price went up 30 40 uh, percent if not more to uh to an all-time high i think on april 20th and then obviously it it sort of retreated because um, hype itself is is not uh, sustainable um over over the long term i think on the fundamental side was like it was actually a really good uh, month for for Axie. so they've been working on um, their side chain uh, of, of ethereum which is called ronin for for quite a while and the main reason for that is basically ethereum's transaction fees uh that um uh, basically create significant barriers to adoption of the game. So uh, they, uh, they had the first stage of the migration, I think around February. And uh, the final stage went live early, early May, I think. So it was after we started writing uh, the, the newsletter. And now you can basically do um, everything on Ronin with uh, no fees, cheap transactions. Uh, so that's quite exciting for uh, for the game and for kind of the the user activity and so on. And yeah, so after that, Axie started getting about thirty thousand daily active users, and I think recently I saw that they actually exceeded forty k. So we've seen seen quite quite significant growth from that, and then also like when we wrote this on on may 5th about seven days since the migration uh it was about 11 million dollars of value was moved to ronin but on the revenue side right so axie generates fees from uh, breeding like if you want to breed axes you need to pay a fee and right now that fee i think is one axs and there's also marketplace fees on transactions within the marketplace and in seven days, Onron and Axie generated about hundred and fifteen thousand from breeding fees and about two hundred twenty five thousand from marketplace fees. So that's that's about three hundred forty thousand dollars from, from that week, which is eighteen million annualized run rate. So that's quite significant. And yeah, we can talk about valuation and, and so on, but that's like that's a lot. And I think the team is just starting. And obviously, like we were recording this podcast a little bit later, a couple of days after we uh, published the newsletter. So uh, the Axie core team actually raised uh, $7.5 million in, in funding just a day or two ago. So um, I'm excited to see what they can do with that.
0: Man, that sounds like a hell of a month for Axie Infinity and um, yeah, the whole community there.
1: Yeah, it's almost as crazy as uh, the month for MVI. <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't know if you've had a chance to look across some of the other projects at that um, those sort of run rate figures, but that sounds like Axie is probably the highest of of all the holdings within MBI.
1: That's actually an interesting question. I think that's uh, that's worth a deep dive. That's worth an exploration. I I would guess I would guess so, just because I think the the activity on the platform uh, in terms of usage, like you constantly see Axie as. One of the highest, if not the highest, usage app on in the Ethereum ecosystem. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, that run rate is in fact highest in terms of projects in the LVI.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was just looking at um, Mana uh, making 120k for the for the whole month, and you're talking about Axie at sort of 300 and something for for just a week. So yeah, it'd be interesting. I think we should have a look in, into that and see what we can find. Um, do a bit of a comparison.
1: I think there's also like a value accrual, right? Like it's challenging to see where like Eng, engine, for example, makes money to the token for for Sandbox and and the Sand token. It, the value accrual is pretty clear, but the game is not live yet. So you know that sort of moves you down to smaller projects, uh, which I don't think would would be able to compete with uh, with Axie.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay, so. Talking of uh, Decentraland, I'll just quickly sort of summarize what I saw. I did a bit of digging around it as it was the top performer within MVI for the month. Um, and it just seemed like business as usual, to be honest. There wasn't anything that really stood out as being a catalyst. Uh, I think you've you've kind of picked up on the large cap, small cap imbalance there. And, and maybe just the fact that, you know, this is a long longer term project in terms of how long it's been around since 2017. Uh, you know, the people that are, probably holding mana and probably holding actually land off the back of that, you know, they're, they're a lot stickier. So it's saw a similar roller coaster where at one point in the month, it was down over 50%, uh, but it quite quickly recouped those losses and ending the month, you know, as we say, up, up 55%. Um, there were, there were a few updates within the game. They've updated their Genesis Plaza. I think this is quite and was quite a necessary thing to do. Um, We've obviously talked about how Sandbox is trying to have something going on at all times, no matter where you kind of drop into it when it launches. Whereas Decentraland, sometimes you can go somewhere and it it feels a bit empty. Maybe there's nobody around, there's nothing going on. Uh, So with the new Genesis Plaza, they've they've given people dropping in the option to check out what's live at that time in terms of events, uh, games that are going on, um, games that you can just jump in and, and play yourself. So it gets people straight into something rather than having to like find the fund themselves so I, th- I think that's quite important they're also looking at uh, scaling solutions as well so they started off in early april being able to port your manner from ethereum to polygon so what you're going to be able to do now is is make marketplace transactions on layer 2 which is obviously going to be a, a godsend in terms of when you're buying your $200 Binance t-shirt, at least you don't have to pay 20 extra dollars in um, gas fees now for that. So yeah, small little uh, small little improvements, I think. In terms of event, events, they had the Atari uh, Casino launch with our in partnership with our favorite um, team over at Decentral Games. And they got quite a well-known DJ, um, Dylan Francis. I don't personally listen to his music, but sounded all right when we went to the launch party. Um, so they got him in and had some fun and games going on there uh, for for the launch party there. Obviously, Atari is a massive partner themselves trying to get into blockchain with their own token uh, and trying to like, create an ecosystem around the Atari token it, itself. So, yeah, some big names in there. But overall, I, I don't think there was really anything fundamental that, that drove the performance for, for the Mana token this month.
1: Yeah, I think I saw you awkwardly dancing at, at the at the opening party for the casino uh, in, your, in your swag.
0: Yeah, I was there. I was just there for the, the cool NFT jumpers that are available.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it, it kind of happens quite often, right, in the in crypto space that tokens move up or down without uh, significant sort of news, whether they're following um, Bitcoin or ETH or maybe they're following the sector as a whole. Um, or for a variety of uh, other reasons, sentiment, social, whatnot. Um, So quite often it's challenging to pick out why a certain token uh, moved up or down. Uh, And that's sort of the case if we look at some of the uh, underperformance like uh, Raribol and and the Rari token, it's really hard to come up with a fundamental reason for uh, why the token underperformed so significantly, and yeah, if you look at like the fundamentals uh, themselves, they're actually pretty strong. Like the monthly volume in April was uh, a little bit below uh, March, but really not significantly. Still significantly above earlier in the year, and like the average check size was uh, was higher by I think 60 or 70 percent. Um, so like, fundamentals uh, are quite well. The community has been really quite busy on the organizational side. They they're working on so they they've had a like a marketplace mining program from from the get go where you get Rari uh, for uh, buying and selling uh, items on on the marketplace. So they've reallocated 25% of that to the community treasury, which I think is a good move. They're also working on other like phase two and phase three of their like decentralization move basically uh and uh, phase three actually involves the staking mechanism where you stake your rari for governance you get back activated rari and the activated rari can be used to vote right and there'll be a lock up so you lock it up similar to like the curve uh system for example and that sort of moves Uh, RARI from the current state where RARI token holders can vote, but it's a signal vote, right? So it's not binding to what they call kind of the autonomous era where the votes are binding. So again, I think on the fundamental side, the team uh, continues to sort of deliver and, and execute, but the token underperformed quite significantly and partially perhaps it sort of gave back some of the gains from earlier in the year we tend to launch uh products at local tops and we sort of did that in the nft space um so some of these tokens have run up quite a bit i think rari itself went up 350 percent, like two months before we launched the product so uh, perhaps it's a bit more of a technical factor and just uh settling a little bit um, after the run,
0: yeah, no need for us to break from tradition there, I don't think. I'll talk about a little bit about our fox as well, um, because we put that into the the performance detractors section. Uh, a similar sort of story; it ran up nicely from the beginning of the year, well over ten x actually uh, from the start in January. But I think it had a bit of a sell the news event because there was quite a lot going on for Red Fox and and the whole ecosystem there. So they have launched. Well, they haven't launched. They've announced their uh, new virtual space called the Vault, and that's going to basically be a what looks like a floating space station uh, as a virtual world. It will di- be divided up into different quarters, and in each of the different quarters, there'll be plots of um, shop space available. Effectively, and the interesting thing they're doing here is lo- like launching this locally somehow. So I think they're they're targeting Southeast Asia, and what they're trying to get into these shop spaces I believe is stuff where you can go in um, and order something and you can have the physical item like arrive at your door so whether that's food or clothing I'm sure there's going to be lots of other things on top of that as well so that, that was quite interesting it's been a long time coming they've kind of been teasing it for quite a while now and then that was paired with the revamped tokenomics where you can now bridge your rfox over to binance smart chain and farm the new VFox token. So this changes things a little bit, and from the outside looking in, kind of leaves a little bit of ambiguity around the like the value prop of the R Fox token. It does still have value, it's still like the the center point of the R Fox games ecosystem. So that's your things like your cogs. Um, basically it's gonna be the still gonna be the currency for, for playing around with those. And the only way to buy shop space in this new virtual world is through RFOX. But then what the VFOX token does is that captures the value of the economic activity taking place within the vault, within this new virtual world. So I think there's like a 2% um, fee split on any uh, transactions where 1% goes to VFOX holders and then the rest is split up between like the people who are called quartermasters who like keep each of the areas running smoothly um, a little bit towards our Fox and then some towards their their treasury as well. So all in all, like quite a bundle of activity. But I think it was just a case of like sell the news when all of this stuff came out during April, because the the token had seen a a pretty terrific run uh, for the first four months of the year, three months of the year. Um, So yeah, it'll be interesting. We're going to be keeping a close eye on this in terms of like liquidity. Obviously, that's quite important for us monitoring the index and our upcoming rebalances. Um, so with this new incentive to go and mine FeeFox uh, on, on Binet Smart Chain, we're looking to see, does that mean that fox starts leaving the Ethereum network, and will that have a knock-on effect to us? Um, so yeah, I think we'll keep an eye on that. And um, it'll also be interesting to see if, if fox kind of carries on charging uh, as, as the vault goes live, and. Um, as it becomes used within the, like that ecosystem as well. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, in terms of the summary, I think overall we can't be too unhappy with what happened. Um, as you say, we, we kind of launched at lo- that local top, but MVI overall has, has done okay, I'd say, given the volatility of the space and uh, the run-up that we saw before launch. Um, I'd say we can't be unhappy with what we've seen. It did its job in terms of like downside protection, given some of the huge drops we saw in some of the underlying. It only lost 7.6%, I believe, across the month. So yeah, a win for diversifying your portfolio there if, if you want uh, exposure to the metaverse space. No need to pick winners. I don't think MVI does the job that it's intended to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think Bitcoin was roughly flat on, on the month. And uh, Ethereum obviously outperformed, but uh, considering kind of the timing of the launch and what happened leading to the launch in terms of price appreciation and not tokens, the fact that the index was able to sort of contain the losses and you actually saw how the performance of different tokens offsets each other and offsets the volatility, I think it did pretty well in terms of the rebalancing, obviously we saw. Uh, large caps outperform, which means that we increased allocation to those, uh, given that uh, MVI is uh, market cap, like majority market cap weighted index. Um, So, yeah, compared to sort of the launch allocations, we ended up adding to our positions across kind of ENG, MANA, and uh, sand as well um, at the expense of sort of uh, smaller caps. And that's something that, you know, I'm really keen to keep an eye on uh, to just see if we see a pattern of, you know, when the sector performs, that performance is mostly captured by large caps, right? And, and if that assumption is correct, then we can sort of talk about whether you know we can incorporate some of that insight into into the methodology and, and how we would do so. But yeah, in general, I think uh, quite quite positive first months.
0: And then if we talk about what happened outside of um, the performance of the index, I think one of the most exciting things that you and I wanted to cover off as well was the partnership that we're looking to develop with Decentral Games. So we actually put a proposal forward jointly with uh, the DG team to um, suggest that the community uh, treasury uh, farms the MVI ETH pair uh, and earns index on it. So I know that you and I have both sung the praises of the DG team um, ever since the very beginning. They've been like really great getting involved, helping us out, helping us obviously with the launch. Uh, They're very responsive whenever we try to talk to them. Um, And we kind of spotted that they've done a really good job so far of diversifying their treasury holdings. You know, they own, Uh, land they have mana and die obviously their own treasury they stake matic onto a node as well because their transactions within their casinos actually take place um, on layer two so they've done a great job of that already you and i within the index co-op have been looking at um, treasury diversification and and obviously now matthew graham is up and running with that but it's something that's quite close to our heart so we spotted an opportunity here and um the vote passed on wednesday the 12th i think it closed didn't it and and we saw 91 percent voting in favor for that so dg are going to diversify their treasury into an mvi eth lp position and they're going to farm index which is great news yeah it combines a lot of great stuff that's going on within crypto more generally in terms of like partnerships and and how these things will develop so uh, yeah i'm really excited to be part of this
1: yeah, it's actually interesting, right? Because they form an index, which will then allow them to vote in governance of the tokens underlying the MVI, which includes, you know, potentially some of their competitors, uh, if you know there is such a thing as uh, competitors. In in crypto, I think generally we we um, tend to um, be on the side of let's let's grow the pie, and there is enough there is enough for everyone but that's, that's rather fascinating to me, right? That you can have... So
0: is that meta-meta is that governance at that
1: point? I don't, I don't know what type of governance it is, um, but it's, uh, it's quite awesome. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, uh, Apple acquiring a ton of shares in Facebook through a BlackRock fund and then using those shares to vote in a certain way. Anyway, um, the, yeah, like the 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 analogy breaks down because um like you don't need to be blackrock like shareholder to vote on um like apple being held in different of their indices so this is like the dual token structure here is is uh, what's different but yeah it's it's fascinating i'm i'm curious to see if this sort of develops into uh into a broader uh, trend at, at some point.
0: Yeah, and we're looking to do more than just like present these opportunities. Um, obviously, we want to be like jointly marketing um, with DG. We want to be spreading the word about what they're doing. Obviously, we're going to sort of deep dive into all of the underlying within MVI, but we'll, you know, we'll do a deep dive and talk about a like their treasury diversification be, you know, um, what their, you know, financials look like more generally, all, all of the kind of stuff that they're getting on with. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm looking forward to seeing how this catalyzes like a broader relationship and hopefully we can start applying this sort of, um, this sort of model or this sort of relationship to other, uh, tokens. And, and once people start to see the benefit of it, Obviously, I think in the metaverse space, like both governance and treasuries are, are like very very nascent. Um, some don't even have governance, they're still very centralized. Uh, some have either very small treasuries or they're just like they're still you know, the team is allocating funds and it's from you know previous seed rounds or whatever it might be. So there's a great opportunity for us to get involved at these stages and like direct to an extent, the community uh, through governance, especially when we start to switch on the ability to vote with the underlying in MBI as well. So yeah, the, again, we, we kind of talked about it a couple of times on this podcast, but all of this stuff is like just small steps in the right direction. And we this is when you know it's like really, really early because all of this stuff is only just starting to happen and people like me and you uh, are at the very forefront of it.
1: I think, uh, I think it's sort of sums it up really nicely and is a great conclusion, I think, to our first episode. Like, there's a lot we can talk about, right? I was going to get you to talk about iNFTs, which uh, I think you're quite excited about. And, you know, there's on kind of the more uh, product side, I think UniV3 is really interesting in, in terms of like implications on MVI and, and how we approach it. But I think I think we covered quite a bit for sort of the first episode and uh yeah w- what do you think i think it's probably a good time to to wrap it up
0: yeah i think we can save infts for uh, another time yeah if you think this is the forefront of tech then wait until we talk about those things like that absolutely blew my mind so um yeah let's definitely keep that one in our back pockets
1: all right well great thanks everyone for joining us on this uh, first episode of of meta portal and uh we'll keep these coming on a weekly basis and uh, look forward to talking to you guys again.